that's the name of the show. Do good, feel good. Now you're in the know. And we're off. Yeah. Welcome to the new studio. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. This is really nice. Thank you, Rover, for hooking this up. Yeah. All right, Chris, why don't you jump jump into it right now? Uh, sure. If by that you mean just starting the intros, I can do that. Uh, yeah, welcome to our show today, everybody. It's a very exciting one. We have a very special guest with us, uh, who I believe has the ability to introduce herself. I Would do. Would you like to? Thank you so much. Yeah, my name's Dana Flightman. I am extremely special as a guest and mm. as a human. Yeah. Um, and modest. And modest, yeah. I just keep it real, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And... Yeah, I do comedy and I work at the Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center. So I'll be talking about both those things today, and I'm pretty pumped about it. Awesome. I love that. I have, I have a lot of questions about that. And we can, um, we can get more into that, that intersection, maybe a little bit down the line. But uh, why don't we just kick it off by saying why, why stalking? Why spark? Why Spark? Yeah. Um, Why do you work with them? You could, you're clearly very smart and talented. Clearly. You could do so many things. Why are you working on stalker, stalker prevention? And what is Spark in general? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's true. I, you know, just so many offers beating down my door. It's like, how do I choose one? Right. You know, uh-huh. you guys, you know how that is. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think I've been in the domestic violence field for a while. Basically my whole life I've been saying, I can get riled up about a variety of social issues. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm angry about all sorts of stuff. Can you give um, some other examples? Of things I'm angry at? How, yes. how long is this podcast? You know, you could uh, get me on really most things. Um, you know, abortion access, uh, environment, uh, closing Guantanamo Bay. I mean, like, I'm mad about all of it. Wow. The military-industrial complex. Like, I'll get riled up about all sorts of things. Um but what ended up happening after college, I was working more, doing more international studies kind of stuff. Then I graduated in this, like, terrible recession, and I got a job on teen pregnancy prevention, mm. uh, which was okay, and it was, like, a big uh, organization, so I didn't like that so much. But the part of it that was really interesting to me was around reproductive coercion and relationships, which mm. is where most teen pregnancy and teen sex is taking place. Uh, and so I knew I wanted to be somewhere, like, smaller and more nonprofit and mission-oriented around mm-hmm. that. And this job became open at uh, organization Jewish Women International. And I am a Jewish woman. Woo! I have nice. been abroad before. Yeah. So much. Oh, thank you so much. Woman. Tomorrow. Thank you right? so much. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Almost Shabbat Shalom. I, you're, I feel seen. Sort of. Right. I feel seen. Yeah. So, I yeah. See <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. so I started working there. They were just hiring for someone to do a program on dating abuse and sexual assault on college campuses. But, like, before it was cool because it was before Obama came out with all the stuff about it. So they were, like, ahead of the game. Mm. So I started writing programs on that, got really into it. Um, and, yeah, basically just stayed in that field. And stalking's really... It's one of the crimes covered under the Violence Against Women Act. There's four mm-hmm. big crimes, and it's domestic violence, sexual assault, dating abuse, and stalking. It's always like, and stalking, and no one ever has time to like deal with it, yeah. um, including me in my past role. Like I never had time to talk about it, really. I would do these programs that... 
they'd be like, you have 90 minutes for, you know, talk to 200 students. You have to talk about dating abuse, sexual assault, bystander intervention, gender norms, have a video, have group activities, make it fun. You have 90 minutes, but it's too long because you do 75. So, like, there's no way that I was also going to, you know, put this in there. So now, of course, I have tools to help other educators do just that. Um, But, yeah, so it's not something that I was working on particularly, but I love training. I love being in front of people. I love talking in front of people. And this job came up, uh, Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Centers, or SPARC, and it was mostly training uh, folks in the field on how to better respond to stalking because mm-hmm. a lot of you know people, just the general population, doesn't know a lot about stalking, may not report it, but even when they do, you have a lot of law enforcement who don't know how to respond, don't know what it is. And uh, a lot of times, even if it's not related to domestic violence, the response is housed under there. And that doesn't occur to people because if you're being stalked by like a coworker, yeah, you're not going to call, you know, the family violence center, right. but that's where the response typically is housed. Um, and so I do a lot of training for folks in that field. So law enforcement, victim advocates, social workers, sometimes medical professionals, um, people like that to kind of identify and respond to stalking. So both to help keep victims safe and to hold offenders accountable. Mm. So that's kind of our thing. So you know? what is the actual definition of stalking? Yeah, that's a good... For those of you who don't know. Very good question. I was about to ask. I also and don't know. Yeah. Chris was going to ask. Let everyone, let it be known, Chris was going to ask. I was going to. She so, totally took I'm sorry. <laughs> took my idea. But um, on top of that, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that some of the reason that... This is not an issue that is taken more seriously, and there are not there's not more infrastructure in place to address it. Is because of the nuance in the definition. Is that right? It's true. I mean, it's something that it's contextual in nature for sure. So if you think about a lot of stalking behaviors, for example, um, let's say someone gives you a gift. Is that cute? Is that flirting? Is that scary? Can you think of a situation where it could be all three? Right? Mm-hmm. If you think about that, yeah. Um, so stalking, just the, the definition, which is, and I'll break it down. Um, so there's the behavioral definition, and it's a crime in all 50 states, the military justice system, um, tribal lands, and in the District of Columbia and U.S. territory. So it's, it's criminal everywhere. So, so the, what is it? So the statutes vary is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, okay. you know, so the definition varies a little state to state or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but behaviorally, the definition that we use, it is a pattern of behavior directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. So I know that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. So it's a pattern of behavior. So it's, that's usually more than one incident. It's directed at a specific person. So you don't stalk a group of people. You're stalking one person. So that being said, we do often see what we call um, like target dispersion, which is maybe someone stalking like an ex. That ex starts seeing someone new. So now the stalker's targeting the ex and the new partner. And a stalker might also reach out to a victim's family, friends, coworkers. Like there's a lot of folks who can get involved and become secondary victims, kind of, but it's in the context and purpose of reaching that one individual. Like they're targeting that person. Um, and it would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. So fear is a really important element of stalking. And it's actually what separates stalking from a crime it's often confused with, which is harassment. So harassment is typically repeated behavior that would make someone feel really annoyed or angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and harassment can be quite serious, so I'm not trying to minimize that in any way. But it's not necessarily scary. Uh, but it's really about that fear that makes something stalking. Um, and it's tough because what fears personal, right? Like uh-huh. what's scary to me may not be scary to you. 
and vice versa. So you kind of have to figure out the victim's afraid. Why are they afraid? And what's the backstory behind that? Well, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it does. Are there any states that... I mean, the definition sounds like it's pretty similar in all 50 states, but it's not. Well, it depends because, so you have to be, so fear is essential to stalking, right? Mm -hmm. But fear of what? Yeah. So in some states, you have to be afraid of like bodily harm. Yeah. I feel like some states might be more lenient on stalking. Yeah, for sure. I'm making this up, but for like their own interests. For their own interests? What do you mean? Like, I don't really like know. Like the I haven't been sleeping a lot, but basically, <laughs> I mean, I am so tired. Anyone else? He's <laughs> very tired. Very tired. Okay. Extremely tired. Cool. Hopefully, maybe we can make a segment out of that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired. Um, like, some, if we're going to, like, judge and, like, stereotype certain states, some states might seem more prone to accept and support stalkers. Is this, a, is this a common misconception? Uh, has anyone ever thought this? <laughs> has anyone ever? I'm sure someone has thought that. Like, um, I think southern states might be like, yeah, it's just a man being a man, showing his lo- lover that he loves her type thing. You are from Florida, so yeah. I yeah. could see where you could come with that, with that question. Um, but I do want to know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... What, what are the most lenient and uh, then on the other end, most strict stalker states? I yeah. mean, I can't really rank them all. Um, gotta rank them all. Gotta, gotta rank them all. Where are you most likely to get gotta stalked? Gotta catch them all. Geographically. I think you're most likely to get stalked. Really, it's really everywhere. Like, it's mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty low. It's not very well handled most places, I would mm-hmm. say. So, absolutely, like, different regional attitudes or cultural attitudes, whatever, can definitely affect... If people are reporting it, and if they're reporting it, how seriously it's taken. Mm -hmm. I can't really say necessarily, you know, one place is, like, way better than another. I will say some states, the statute itself, it says fear of bodily harm, which is a bummer. Because, like, what if you're afraid of being followed forever and never having a moment alone again? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't that be a crime? I would say yes. Some states, no. It's like, but do you think they'll hurt you? And if they haven't hurt you and made a direct threat, there's, quote, unquote, nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. And that's not really true. And we talk about that because there's usually other crimes you can pull together if you have have two or more that should be a stalking pattern of behavior right like Mm -hmm. if someone's you know if there's been voyeurism and they followed you and whatever um that should be stalking but Mm -hmm. it can be really they're hard crimes because they're multiple incidents and our system set up to be incident based it's like there's Mm -hmm. property damage i'm gonna call the police oh look my tires flashed we're gonna write a report on that and it's hard for folks to take a step back and say oh but i know who slashed my tires and it's the same person who keeps following me around, sending me text messages, all of that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. most offers are combining behaviors that are crimes on their own, like vandalism, with ones that aren't. Like texting someone, you know, ringing a doorbell. That stuff's not illegal, but it can become illegal in the context of a stalking crime. Mm-hmm. So it's confusing because a lot of times victims are like, what am I going to do, call the cops because some guy texted me and it was annoying? Mm-hmm. But if it becomes scary, yeah. right, then yes, that is what you If you are do. a reasonable person. If right? you're a reasonable that person. Part of the definition. Yes. So what constitutes reasonable person? Like it does not have a phobia of being contacted? I think it's generally. It's, it's generally what someone else in your shoes would feel. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. So like one of the examples we use, right, so that there's a stalking case where um, this woman called the police. She's hysterical. And all she would say was, there's a cup of coffee in my car. 
So the police, understandably, are not, like, sending out the SWAT yeah. team about it. They're kind of like, you prefer tea? Like, yeah. what is your problem, you know? Um, and eventually she calmed down enough and said, he's here. So it turned out this is a stalking victim who had been abused by an ex-boyfriend, relocated, address confidentiality, like, really thought she'd covered her tracks. She needs to go to work that day. She gets in her car. There's a cup of coffee with this old nickname for her on it. Ugh. Yeah, see, so that sound, uh, yeah, that continuing groaning crazy. upset sound, yeah. that's a reasonable person would feel fear. Right? When you know the whole story, it's really scary. It's but the problem guy. is a lot of times people just see that cup of coffee, right? And they're like, you, you have a car that makes coffee? This is amazing. Like, where yeah. do I get <laughs> such a vehicle, right? Like, they don't ask the right questions to get there. So, um, yeah, so the reasonable person thing is kind of like, if you told this to most people, would they make a sad face? And yeah. I find that usually the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, things are hard the other way, where sometimes, because stalking victims, the stalking becomes so normal to them, they don't demonstrate fear, even though a reasonable person would, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, there's somebody told me they got a call from a stalking victim who said, today's a great day, he's only driven by my house eight times. And they're like, that's insane. Yeah, and they're like, it's 9 a.m. And they're like, oh, but yeah, usually by this point, he's driven by like 20 times, right? So it's not to say that that victim's unreasonable, but that's that they, what's not normal has become so normalized that actually that victim is now thinking things are reasonable that aren't, right? So that's why that reasonable person standard actually is helpful because you're saying most of us are like, oh, no. And that's like, yes. I'm being very generous and assuming most of the listeners are reasonable people. And if you're making a like, oh, I don't like that face. That's a reasonable person would feel fear. And I hope you, you are. are. You are a reasonable person yeah. out there, listener. You are reasonable. More than reasonable. Thank They're you for listening. Extremely Thank reasonable. You. Yes. 9 a.m. is way too early. Yeah. To be at least like noon. Just yeah. yeah. I'm going to pause it. But, but did you actually say what the organization specifically does? I don't know if I really said that. No. So I can say that. Let's say it right now. Okay. Are you recording? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So. <laughs> Spark, the Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center, is a project of Equitas, the prosecutor's resource on violence against women. We're funded by the Office of Violence Against Women, um, which is under the Department of Justice. And basically, we're a small project. And what we do is try to train people to improve their response to stalking and talk to them about how to recognize and respond to the crime of stalking. So that includes things like safety planning with victims, recognizing when someone is talking about stalking, even if they don't use the word stalking, um, as well as how do you prosecute that? How do you charge that um, that kind of thing? Corrections officers, how do you continue to identify those behaviors? Um, so we'll offer trainings for kind of all sorts of people around that. So training and resources. We also house all the resources for National Stalking Awareness Month, which is, I'm sure you're all pumped. It's in January. You probably already knew. Um, yeah, Stalking this Awareness is our Month. first podcast of the new year yes. in celebration right. of learning <laughs> learning National Stalking Awareness Month. We're all pumped. I'm sure you all were already aware about it because we're all jazzed. It's everybody's favorite month. That's right. You know, but um, yeah, so we have those materials on our website as well at stalkingawareness.org. We'll link so, to it in the bio and the info. Mm-hmm. Do it. Share it. Live there... it. Love it. Oh. Right up there with Black History Month. Yeah. Yes. That's it. February? That's I think it's February. Yeah. But you, we just said it was our favorite, so I just wanted to say. Yeah, they're both very We don't want to other... offend the other months. Yeah. Um, well, Maybe it's the best the... thing to celebrate in January? I mean, the, yeah, what else is in January? Valentine's Not Day? that it matters. That's, That's February. also February. Then, yeah, what the hell? You're just jazzed for February. I just can't. I'm, it is one of my birthdays. Okay. February or January? 
February. I'm so glad you guys aren't competing with Stalking Awareness Month because everyone's going to be so busy with that. So now that we know about the issue, the cause, now that we know about what Spark is and what it does, why comedy? (laughs) Why comedy? Where does comedy fit into that? Um, Stalking isn't funny. People try to make it funny, but the yeah. reality is that it's a very serious, scary thing when you talk about every example. It sounds like a horror movie. Yeah. So, why why do you do comedy? What made you start? And what is the intersection of stalking and comedy? Yeah, so I've been doing comedy longer than I've been talking about stalking. Um, I started comedy, oh my god, it was almost eight years ago. I don't know where I'm aged. Time is fleeting in my old age, as I always say. Um, but yeah, I think, I, you know, I love being in front of people. I love talking in front of people. And stand-up was something I always sort of wanted to try. Um, I used to do cool stuff in high school, like mock trial and speech and debate. Ooh. Humble brag. So I, it was like a very, you know, something I wanted to do that was fun. So I took a class at the DC Improv. I did their stand-up class. How was that, by the way? It was fun. I mean, I had a good time, and then it's nice because you get to do your graduation shows in the main room there, and it's like the friendliest crowd ever because it's everyone's friends. Um, So yeah, and it was like, I really enjoyed it. I started going to mics, and I just kind of stuck with it. So it's something that I just liked. And people will say it's a balance to the stalking training. Like, oh, that's serious, and this is fun. And I'm like, I don't know. Both of them are like, hey, strangers, do you want to get on my side and buy what I'm selling? I mean, that's kind of (laughs) both things. So um, it's like, yeah, but then to relax, I talk about how I don't like thin people. Like, that's my nighttime, and the daytime is like, no, but guys, like, you should really be arresting stalkers. So I don't know. Um, The stakes are higher in the the stalker training because obviously I'm trying to impart more information, but I do not need to get a laugh every 30 seconds. So that is a relief on the stalker training. Mm -hmm. People's standard for comedy is a lot lower. When uh, I come into a stalking training, people think it's going to be like the most boring, dry, terrible thing. Mm -hmm. So when I come in and I'm actually like pretty psyched about it and funny and you you know, use humor, um, it makes a big difference. I feel like if I... Any kind of mandatory training at work, you kind of go in reluctantly. You're like, I could be working. I have so much I could be getting done. So I, I really appreciate that you make it fun for your... I try. Yeah, I do. And also, so many of the people, they're dating... Guys, I'm sorry. I'm babysitting two dogs right now, and they're going insane. So I'm sorry that you'll have to listen to that. Yeah, they're just really yeah. jazzed about stuff. We just wanted you to know what's happening in the background. That's <laughs> I was, so, I was like, just trying to pretend to be a listener and have no context. Yeah. And think, is it gas? Is it... <laughs> like, like, what is going to be? Right. Yeah. What's going on here? Well, at least we're playing. Are we wrestle? Are two of us wrestling while the other is talking? It's just they're getting so pumped for January. Stalking. I think that's what it is. Like it's so close. It's so close. Throughout the woods. That's right. Yes, they're they're pumped. They're pumped. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm used to a captive audience. Like my last job, I did a lot of trainings on sexual assault for fraternity men. So I definitely am used to like the comment. This was so much better than I yeah. thought it would be. And I'm like, thank you. Um, and it's actually great because if you only train the people who want to come, who are you reaching, right? Yeah. I mean, you need to get the sure. people who like need to hear it. Um, and so, yes, it's it's a good time. And people think it'll be like the worst. So it's fun when it's not. Yeah. And I don't know. I have fun with it. I make a lot of jokes in it. Um, it's just about, you know not making jokes at the expense of the victim. So, you know, making jokes about the social normalization of stalking or our response to stalking or things like that. Like that's, or myself, I certainly make fun of a lot. Um, 
you know, that's all good. But it's just about not, like, stalking itself. The crime of stalking is not funny. It is terrifying. And it's too often presented in a way where it's it's a punchline. Mm-hmm. If you think about even, like, cartoons, like, think about, you know, like, Spongebob. Mm-hmm. I love Spongebob, so no, like, not trying to hate on the Spongebob, but, um... We're like, getting a lot of tweets about that. What? We're going to get a lot of angry tweets. A lot of angry yeah, tweets about Spongebob. Look, I, them right now. I genuinely love... SpongeBob, but his sense of boundaries is not a quite there. Like, just think about Squidward, man. How many times does Squidward tell him to go away? And he just keeps mm. persisting. He's always showing up. He's always, he's like, in Squidward's bathroom, he's there. Squidward, Squidward, Squidward. Mm. So we know, and that's a very common trope. Think about Peppy Le Pew. But right? I would not say Squidward seems like he is in fear. That's true. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends, though. I think he does sometimes feel in fear. That's true. Like, <laughs> depending on that Depending episode. on the night or, like, what time SpongeBob appears. Yes. Actually, I think he does sometimes startle Squidward, but you're right. Excellent point. It's contextual, right? Mm-hmm. If he's just annoyed, it's more harassment. Peppy Le Pew is straight up skunk rapist, though, right? Like, yeah, he I is mean, so creepy. He's so Watching creepy. Watching that as an adult, it's how, how, how is that as an adult. allowed on television? Yeah, I mean, with all Very those, creepy. it's like that trope, right? That yeah. like gotta keep getting the girl, and she keeps mm-hmm. running away, but I'm gonna keep pursuing her. Is like so pervasive and it's it's in everything from kids movies to romantic comedies to you know it's all over the place and this idea of like I'll wear her down and then she Mm -hmm. will realize she loves me and sometimes it's played for laughs in sitcoms where there's no consequences Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's like you know like a like a you've got mail kind of thing where it's like oh you know but really they were meant to be but either way it's kind of this idea that like that works and is romantic and cool and it's usually told from the man's perspective, and he's our protagonist, so we're supposed to know, like, oh, he's good, and his intentions are good and romantic, so it's fine. Or, like, the one I really can't watch anymore is um, Sex in the City, Mr. Big. Oh, he stalks Carrie so much. He drives around her street, he calls her, he shows up where she is, he follows her. I know, it's, like, such a bummer Was watching she it. Yeah, she is. She yeah. tells him to go away. She's very clear. She says, you have to stop. Yeah, and then, um, but then it works, because she secretly loved it. <laughs> I Which know, is that's why I always thought that she secretly loved it. Yeah, but that's the problem, though, is when it's presented that way, people are like, no, she, like, secretly loves it. And it's like, she secretly called the police, and you need to stop. And that's not, you know. So what are some examples of not stalking? <laughs> examples of not stalking? Yeah, because, uh, as we've already touched on briefly, uh, one of the problems uh, with this whole stalking thing and the fact that it's not focused on enough is because people overuse it. Right? Yeah. So uh, when should people not use the term stalking? Yeah, so stalking, you know, it's a little bit unique because in terms of the way we use it, because everyone's heard like, oh, I was Facebook stalking you mm-hmm. or I was like stalking you on Instagram. Right. Um, or my friend the other day was like, you know, I was stalking your photos. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't stalk my photos because they cannot feel fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I love sync. I'm stalking them. I've yeah. been like three of their shows. Exactly. So like... In those situations, it's again, it's like, is there a fear element? No. Um, and it's a little bit, it's a problem because while using that term doesn't like cause stalking. Sure, but it doesn't help. It doesn't help because yeah. it dilutes the meaning of the term. Exactly. People don't say like, oh man, that party was so lit, it's arson. Right? Yeah. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, um, people, if you were like, oh, there was arson in my home, it'd be like, oh, you should call the police. Like, yeah. that's quite serious. Mm-hmm. But if people say, like, oh, my, I think he's stalking me, it's just like, was he stalking you or was he, like, stalking you? You know, yeah. it, it kind of makes it so that, and it, it affects victims realizing what's going on and taking it seriously. Okay. Um, I feel like we need to, like, go in the bathroom and record this podcast and, like, shut the door like we're children. Can we put the dogs in the bathroom? No. <laughs> I can't do that. No. 
The people who own these dogs aren't going to listen to this podcast. Right? I, you, everyone's going to listen. Yeah. This is the best podcast ever. It's true. Can you guys chill? Hey Can guys, we're talking about stalking, right okay? And we're talking about creepy people. And you, by the way, you guys seem pretty creepy right I've now. I've never seen They're, them play this hard. Maggie was just biting the oh, ear. Hey, of, Maggie! Yeah, that's Maggie! Called, oh. Maggie! Ow. Maggie! Stop it. The bigger dog is hey, biting the face of the, the smaller dog. There's a lot of drama. It's not cool. And teeth, now the, the lady teeth. dog is humping the guy. Out. Well, oh, fuck the patriarchy. You're right about that. Look at the teeth. Whoa. Look at They're Hudson's scary. Like showing us They're the freaking teeth. me out. Oh my god, an eyeball. They're flying. <laughs> she likes. She's like, wait, what? How about we'll play a little game we like to call Christmas Grind Your Gears. Where we, or Holiday Grind Your Gears. Sorry, does that grind your gears? People just assuming that you celebrate Christmas? That is my grind. It's not that, actually. I don't mind when people say Merry Christmas as a Jewish person, because, like, I do have a Merry Christmas. Like, I sleep in. I watch at least two versions of A Christmas Carol, which I love. Uh, I eat Chinese food. Like, this is indeed a merry day for me. What I don't like is when people say Happy Holidays, but they mean Merry Christmas. So what I mean by that is, you'll see like a sign that says Happy Holidays. Like a Christmas tree. Yeah, exactly. But it's like red and green, and there's a Christmas tree, and like just Santa. Baby Jesus. Yeah, Santa. Just, with the, just like a trunk of baby Jesuses, and then it's like, Happy Holidays! And I'm like, I don't know, dude, did you maybe have like one in mind? Yeah. When you made this <laughs> sign? Like, so just, just be real about it. Like, you want to say Merry Christmas, that's fine. Say Happy Holidays, keep it generic. But, but don't mix the two. If they're, they say vocally, Happy Holidays... And they might have an intention in their mind. They want to say Merry Christmas. I think I appreciate the gesture. I, this year it's a little easier because Hanukkah is actually over Christmas. Yeah. What's a bummer is when Hanukkah's super early, mm-hmm. and then people are like Happy Holidays, and it's like, oh, but like there's only your holiday left, though. Yeah, you didn't say that to me like two weeks ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not offended because I like get that I'm a minority and I have like bigger things. Uh, <laughs> but it's like it's not the number one thing that runs my gears. But I think I think it's more the the Happy Holidays messaging when what we mean is Christmas because yeah. it feels insincere to me. So that yeah. annoys me. Yeah. Preach. Preach. Will do. Hmm. Uh, for me, for going around. Um, Everyone just paused and looked at me, so... I would say... How much do people really like Christmas music, is my question. I feel like people are maybe hyping it up to be something more special than it really is. Mm. Who is by themselves listening to Christmas music? I know a person... By yourself. Yeah, I, not I'm saying I know a You person know of a person. Who... My, yeah, two people that will watch, like, Han... Like, Hallmark Christmas movies yeah. year round and record them to watch year round. I listen to Christmas music whenever possible, like all July, Christmas because it's like Christmas in July. So my, I guess my question is, how much do they really like it, or is it they, just society telling them that they, they should they do like it? it so they, but how much of us really like anything? Yeah. Chris? How much true. of that is a social? But if, if you're doing it by yourself and you're not like posting it on social media, I think you're doing it because you enjoy it. Right? I, I will say I have several Halloween novelty playlists, and I mm-hmm. do listen to them year round. All I'm saying so is I have to Christmas music. The same thing to me, I don't know. I'm amazed that it's not objectively terrible. That's my theory, That's and Jews I think anyone who likes it, anyone who really likes it, maybe it's just been manipulated by society, and they think they like it, but they really don't. They're just stuck oh. in the social construct. Yeah. It's because Jews wrote all the good songs yeah. and then they didn't write any Hanukkah songs because they were too busy writing like white Jews Christmas. Jews have the best songs. I know, but then we just the have like the ones. dreidel song left. 
instead of like White Christmas, which is much better. Mm. Yeah. My friend showed me a video last night of his aunt created dressed as Hanukkah Harry, who I never heard of. It's not really a thing. Well, <laughs> she I saw the video and you I saw it. And I saw her. Well, Who's Hanukkah Harry? Can we pause and talk yeah. about this? Tell me. I don't even. What is well, that? let me. I don't know what it is. It looks kind of like a wizard. Okay. And I'm she had an accent like a New York <laughs> Yiddish type voice. Yeah. And she made him a poem about everyone in her family. It's a song. And then everyone would chant like Hebrew at certain parts of the song. <laughs> and like, I watched this. 10 minute video with my friend last night wow. like he just sat there and watched me watch it for 10 straight minutes I'm like usually people show you a 1 minute long YouTube video but he's like watch my aunt dressed as Hanukkah Harry sing these chants to my whole family wow. so is that something that you like your family does on Hanukkah? that is something I've <laughs> literally never heard of until this moment so uh, you know the Jewish experience is diverse mm. and I'm sure there's more than one family doing that uh, but I can say that that is not like typical Hanukkah behavior. And that aunt does it for both members, like both sides of her family. So two days in a row, she writes two different ten-minute-long Hanukkah songs. I mean, props to her. Like I was, I'm I, into. I it. was really proud of her. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That shows that she cares. Yeah. Okay, Chris. While you're looking up Hanukkah, Harry. Yeah. You want to read it? No. Okay. Do you? You can read it real quick. Hanukkah, Harry is portrayed on the show. As a variation upon the modern day image of Santa Claus. Oh, SNL. Uh, SNL. Oh, was it John Lovitz? Yes, John Lovitz. Uh, with a beard characteristic of a male adherent of Harry D. Judaism. Am I, I'm definitely <laughs> Harry, not yeah. pronouncing that correctly. Uh, and with his blue, with his hat in blue with white edges. Okay. Wowie. Cool. Hanukkah Harry. Well. How about that? We did it, team. You, you, you have a guy. I feel seen. Good. It's, it's not that creative, though. I have to say, it's uh, Santa Claus, but he's wearing blue. And instead of a white beard, he has a brown one. I feel like this is the same legitimacy level as, like, Festivus. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like... That's pretty much it. Like, you can bring it in, and I'm not mad at you for doing so. Sure. But it's not, like, really the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing in the Torah. I don't believe Hanukkah Harry is mentioned in the in the Torah. Okay. Well, we'll I hope that a listener is like, "Data, you idiot." Hanukkah Harry is the sage of the Torah. Yeah, he's always commenting in the Talmud. He's the most learned of our sages. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. please, like, correct me. I want to learn. We'll get some tweets. I want to learn. Um. So I don't. Are you? Do you have more that you want to talk about with the songs? Um, honestly, it was mainly just the song thing. Also, here's a question. Uh, so I guess there are two things. How early is too early to start decorating for Christmas? They say the day for Thanksgiving is appropriate. Yeah, I think that's But we had a late Thanksgiving this year, so there wasn't much time. I agree. I think, I'm very into, like, themed things. Yeah. So I try to, I'm not, like, a huge Christmas person because I'm Jewish, but I'm a huge (laughs) Halloween person. Mm -hmm. And so if someone asked me the same question about Halloween, I'd be, like, all year round. So I'm trying to not be a hypocrite Mm -hmm. and be, like, if you feel about Christmas like I do about Halloween, I mean, you're wrong because Halloween's better. But also, you know, whenever the mood strikes, Mm -hmm. get festive. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not mad at you, you know? Live your life. Live your life. Especially if your life is being festive, you know? Sure. Like, it's not hurting anyone. Probably. If it's hurting someone, don't do it. Yeah. But uh, if you're just like, I'm hyped about these Christmas lights and Santa, I'm like, you know what? Do it. 
I'm no Grinch. Christmas is fine. Wow. But, um... Is it because your name's Chris and you want it to be more about you? Yeah. What's really going on here? That... You might be on something. Yeah. I should probably look into that. Okay. I'm also Unitarian, so I think anything that tries to put, like, a religion in the box is just like, no! Yeah. Is it hard to be named Christopher and be Unitarian? I, yes. Extremely. Because everyone Thank you for understanding the struggle. I do. Yeah. yeah. Does everyone think you're the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because like, that's kind of where I came today, honestly. There was, was a girl in eighth grade who accidentally wrote my name down once as Christ, and I got really upset, and she thought it was hilarious, and then only <laughs> called me Christ for the rest of the time that I knew her. My I friend mean, made a screen name, um, The Second Coming of Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really clever for like junior year of high school. Sure. The second coming of Chris. Yeah, I mean, people often confuse me for the Messiah, and like, I get it, you know? So, like, I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. I'm not Jesus per se, but yeah. like, I, understand, I understand where they're coming from. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just take the compliment and move on. Yeah. I don't really have one okay. that much. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, Christmas has been a little different since I've been spending it alone the past two years. Um, I don't really like how you have to feel obligated to give everyone in your family a present, especially if your parents have both been married four times. Like, there's a lot of people in your family, and with a habitat salary, I just don't have money to buy you each a present. Don't get me these, like, lavish gifts, because I can't afford to get you anything. Like, I can mail you a picture. So I don't really like that. Yeah, the pressure of it. it. Yeah. I don't know. I can Do you guys that. not relate? I mean, I think I like getting people gifts. I do too, but, but I can't the pressure it. of it of that time for sure. It's like a lot, especially if you have, have like a, a big family. family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't. I like I. I think they should know that I want to get them gifts, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just feel obligated, mm-hmm. and I can't afford to get them these lavish things. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they get you lavish. Yeah. Things. And then you just get the gift of guilt, which yeah. is the biggest gift of all. That yeah, they're really you giving. You don't know what it's like mm-hmm. to live in DC. You know that is it. Jewish person. Yeah. Um, so, uh, here's something I've recently discovered that uh, helps mitigate the situation. White elephant gift exchange. But my families don't communicate with each other. I'm like the link oh. between all the families. Mm. So there is no white elephant with them. Mm. That's a bummer. It is a bummer. Like, there are solutions, but only everyone has to be on board, right? Yeah. It can't be you trying to individually Could be like, we're secret But they are different families. So, like, my dad was married multiple times, and mom was married multiple times, so they have no connection. Mm-hmm. So they would never want to have a secret Santa. Anyways, this is actually about my family, and I wanted to talk about my upbringing. Just kidding. Um, but gifting is hard when you have no money. So That's I want real. to donate to all these, like, different fundraisers that I think they would appreciate, mm-hmm. like $5 each, and they'll never know no. the amount, and be like, this gift was made in your honor. Mm-hmm. But then they might not even care. Like, I would like that gift, but they might yeah. be like, cool, what layer am I going to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. I think that's one of those, like, if you can't get something personal and magical, just letting someone know that you thought about them and did a good deed on their behalf, I feel yeah. like it's nice, but Definitely. I'm also, like, a touchy-feely nonprofit type, so. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, yeah family! Yeah. yeah, family! You give them a shout-out in your podcast. Oh, they will love it. The greatest gift of all is a shout-out on a podcast about stalking. Do you ever get any, like, pro-stalking arguments or any pushback? Does Spark experience any pushback at all on the the cause of stalking? And if so, what does that look like? We don't get pushback, per se, but we do get a lot of minimization. So, I mean, I do these trainings all over the country. For some people who, you know, do amazing work in the field, have been in the field for 20 years... 
often it's the first stocking training they've ever received because it's just so undertrained and people really just don't know. Um, so we get a lot of like minimization in terms of it's not that big a deal, no one's getting hurt here, it's just a misunderstanding. And we get some victim blaming attitudes as well, not necessarily from the audiences we train, they look explicitly to us, but um, you know, we'll get, we'll hear ideas like she, because it's all, people of all genders could be stalked, but you know, statistically it's mostly men stalking women. So we get a lot of like, well, maybe she was asking for it in some way. She was leading him on. It's flattering. She'd be, she'd like it if he was better looking and like a lot of jokes and um, kind of that attitude that it's like not such a big deal and that it's not going to lead to harm. But unfortunately what we know is that stalking on its own is a deeply traumatic crime that can really, um, you know, have severe mental health impacts that can be lifelong on people. People feel like they're looking over their shoulders their whole lives. And stalkers can be quite persistent. The average duration of an intimate partner stalking case, not the high end, the average is two years. And about 10% of cases last five years or more. Our um, eyes just widen. Yes, our eyes just widen. So, and a lot of people, they really can be lifelong cases. It's not just, and they, you know, they can range from a few hours to a lifetime. And so, you know, stalkers can be persistent. So the trauma of that and it often intersects with physical violence, sexual assault, and even lethality. Uh, we look at intimate partner homicide or femicide specifically, so murder of a woman partner by a male partner, and 75% of completed and 85% of attempted homicides of that nature, they were stalking the year prior. Mm-hmm. So it's stalking kind of leading up to that event sometimes, and not always, of course. It doesn't always become a homicide case, but we see it being dismissed as, well, no one's been hurt yet. Um, or it's just text messages, it's just following, it's just that kind of thing. Um, and I also see a lot of victims who don't recognize what's going on as stalking because when most people think about stalking, they think about celebrities. So they're thinking about like the Kardashians and Taylor Swift. And indeed, our stalking laws do come from a celebrity stalking case. It was Rebecca Schaefer's murder in the 90s that led mm. to the first stalking law in the country in California. Oh, wow. um, so it's true, like celebrity stalking exists. But the vast majority of people know they're stalkers. You know, it's the people you know who will get you. Um, so it's the vast majority of the time, it's a uh, intimate partner, like a boyfriend, girlfriend, or ex, current or former, or an acquaintance. You know, a friend, a friend of a friend, a classmate, somebody like that. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a stranger. But that's definitely the minority of cases. Mm-hmm. And so you get people saying, just like you do with sexual assault. Oh, it couldn't have been, you know, rape because I know that person. Mm-hmm. People say that with stalking, too. It couldn't have been stalking. It's not a crime because I know that guy when that's the guy who's most likely to stalk you. So in terms of pushback, we just get a lot of minimization. And because these crimes are harder from a criminal justice perspective, they're harder to um, they require more work. You know, they're multiple incidents over a period of time. There's all these jurisdictional issues. Think about being in D.C. So the stalker, you know, so the victim works in Bethesda and then visits her boyfriend over in Alexandria and lives in D.C. Okay, that's at least three jurisdictions already. They don't all talk, right? So where is she supposed to report that? And which stalking law is better? And do those people even talk to each other? So we have a lot of victims who say, you know, they feel like every call they make is the first call because there's not... So we have a documentation log on our website that can kind of help keep track of those sort of incidents but it's just our system is not really set it's not any one person's fault um and there's a lot of amazing professionals doing great work so it's not to you know it's not to blast anyone it's just our system's not set up to really capture these kinds of patterns of behavior and to keep people safe it's set up to respond to a single incident um ideally that involves property damage or violence 
thing is stalkers a lot of times know that and they use that and that attitude and minimization to get away with it so a lot of times stalkers like a very classic stalker move is to break into a victim's home and not take or break anything but just leave a sign they were there so they, you know, they leave the TV on a channel they used to watch with that victim. Or they leave a can of soda they'd always drink. Yeah. Or they, they move a lamp, right? So they know when the victim calls, they'll sound crazy. Because they're like, and we always say that to officers. We say, if a victim says to you, I know it sounds crazy, but that might be a stalking case. Because the stalkers are taking advantage of that. Um, and it's hard, of course. How do you prove that? How do you prosecute that? How do you use technology to your advantage instead of... Because it could be a tool of the stalker, or it could be a tool of the victim, right, to collect evidence. Yeah. So um, they're hard cases, you know, they require more time. But um, it's important because it really is to keep victims safe and hold offenders accountable. We need that coordinated response. That's easier said than done, but so, so critical. So uh, since you're a federally funded organization, can you actually advocate for, like, collaboration between states, like, with reporting or like can you advocate for anything so because we're federally funded we can't advocate for anything in terms of uh, we can't lobby or anything or do anything political we do certainly we love to train multidisciplinary audiences and talk about like how can we coordinate better mm-hmm. um, a lot of places now are trying to and there is funding for what they call a coordinated community response which is basically just trying to get different people from different disciplines together to talk about cases or sometimes really high risk cases but, like not in our state yeah, across states. So there is, so like protection orders are supposed to be enforced across states. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of full faith and credit. Um, and we st- some places have that set up and some don't. So, you know, there's some departments that do a great job coordinating across borders, you know, whether it's the um, their district or whatever, or their state line or whatever. And there's some who never would talk to someone across the state line 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So it just it has a long way to go. Yeah. And for something like stalking, it's really tough because... Especially if something happens online, where did it happen, right? There's all these jurisdictional issues that come in that sound like nitpicky stuff, but can really impact the reality for victims because Mm -hmm. they don't know where to report and where it happened and all that, so. That's a lot going back. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. That's that's a lot. That's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. Let me ask you this question. Uh, Stalking for me is something that I would never consider because I don't consider myself to be a crazy person. Cool. as far as my definition is concerned so um is there a predictor for uh the type of person that will be a stalker is there a behavior that we can sort of see and detect because for me it goes hand in hand with mental illness and i don't know where the line is what the line is there but what do yeah. you have to say about that I'm glad you raised that, Chris. Mm. So a lot of times, and this is actually a really common question we get is about, is this a reflection of mental illness? And the answer that's almost more depressing is typically no. Mm. So most stalkers are stalking because they want to scare that person. It's not a secret admirer. It's not because something is mentally wrong with them that's like can be clinically diagnosable. It's because of, and it's hard to know motives, you know, but um, it's because of revenge, it's because of rejection, it's yeah, because of an extension of power and control. Uh, what sane person yeah. wants to go out of their way to scare someone That's what I'm like thinking. No, but if you like, think about how prevalent it is, I mean, because basically there's no consensus in the field for what you're asking. Like, the same uh-huh. question, like, why do stalkers stalk? Which is such, like, that was my first question, yeah. too. So I'm not, That's like, knocking it at all. Right. But 
it's the same question as like, why do batterers batter? Like, why do abusers abuse? Well, if you ask people in different fields, you know, there's psychological profiles. A lot of it stems from childhood abuse. Yeah, you can right? talk about childhood abuse. Uh-huh. You could talk about um, some people talk about certain personality traits, sure. like narcissism, whatever. But the truth is, there's really no consensus um, in terms of why people are doing that. And there's mm-hmm. some studies that show an overlap with some psychosis, but mostly no. Mm-hmm. And if someone has a severe mental health issue who's engaging in stalking behavior, they're more likely to be stalking a celebrity or stranger. What so, about what Enneagram type is most likely to be a stalker? What what type? Enneagram. I don't know what it is. Okay, we'll talk about this at a different time. Okay, no, I want to learn. Someone out there will laugh. Sorry. That one was for you, Enneagram girl or guy. It was funny and I was too dumb. What about today. like... Wow. Uh, I have to talk about this. What I kind of Myers-Briggs test? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or like, <laughs> I just let you chip on my shoulder about Myers-Briggs because yeah, mine always tells me I'm like literally a dictator. <laughs> okay, so there's no indicator of who or who will not be a stalker. I'd say Which is shocking to me because I can very clearly say I will never do that. And I'm pretty confident in that. Because I feel all, like it, yeah. it takes a lot, it takes effort I know. It's not like you can just accidentally yeah, like run away people, and scare the shit out of somebody. I'm not going to do that. Likely it's, lazy people are not going to become stalkers. Maybe. Uh, well, I also don't consider myself lazy. I'm just like... No, I'm just saying like... Or if people, busy people yeah, might not there be. are certain people that will just not do it. Yeah. Or people who have joking. any kind, kind of, of like emotional intelligence. Like at all. Yeah, Maybe I mean, but it's really shocking because sometimes... I mean, a lot of times you're stalking during an abusive relationship, right? Uh-huh. So a lot of times people say something like, oh, you know, it was abusive and then she left and he began stalking her. But if you uh-huh. take a look back during the relationship, he was following her, getting information about her, tracking wow. her, watching her. That so that's sense. stalking, you know, during yeah. and after. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's such a good question. I get it all the time where they're like, who is time to be out here? Yeah. Just because yeah. like you said, it's, there's something so malicious about it. It's not yeah. like, Oh, they got angry. And no, you have to go it's, out of your way. It's so much. I don't work. have time for that. I yeah. know. <laughs> like, it's, the Take away is... all the crazy stuff. I just don't have time for that shit. I don't have time to wait in front of someone's house for 10 hours. Yeah. And... Unless you work remotely and have a hot spot. <laughs> true. <laughs> you well, it's true that technology yeah. does make... Like, we I always joke, you know... Take that as a working <laughs> request. Yeah, I mean, like, stalkers used to have to get up off the couch to stalk. And now <laughs> there's an app for that, right? So there certainly is a lot you can do even not being all that tech savvy. Um, unfortunately... And this is how. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... But, you know, it's, it is, there's no, basically there's no consensus on who will stalk or not stalk. I will say that I am personally really interested in, like, adolescent stalking, and I think that a lot of what we call bullying is actually stalking. Um, and so where you draw that line is interesting, and how you frame that, I think is something that needs to be explored a little bit more, because I do think a lot of stalking behaviors are seen as normal romantic pursuit or they're minimized and we say oh that's just an awkward kid or whatever and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't so you know the same way that and it's often women women's boundaries are often disrespected and they're socialized to believe that they're overreacting and told they're overreacting instead of having people trust their instincts and say if someone's you know pushing double against boundaries could this be stalking and let's talk about that um, so yeah, I don't have a great answer to your question because as far as I know, there isn't one. Um, there's kind of different motives for stalking. And again, there can be some overlap with mental health, but that person's more likely to like be delusional and think they're in a relationship sure. with Taylor Swift or something. Have you ever had any, um, I don't know, you know, any examples that have just really surprised you? Someone that you thought was a certain way and then they ended up being a psycho stalker. And we have two minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, 
No, I mean, I read cases every day, but you do see victims who are surprised, right? Yeah. Like, there's victims who say, you know, the relationship was fine, and that this doesn't happen as much. Usually there are signs during the relationship, yeah. but I know there is one case I, I heard a lot about, because I, I knew one of the people who prosecuted it, and they, the victim said, like, it was fine, it just wasn't really working, they broke up, and then this guy just snapped, he tried to kidnap her in a Walmart, oh he had he had brought, like, makeshift um, handcuffs and rope and gasoline, all this stuff, yeah, she was living in her friend's basement for two months, like, it was this whole It's just hard thing. to say that's not associated with mental illness. Yeah, right. Like, what defines Thank mental you. illness? Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but also I think that people use that, and you're not doing this, but, like, I think people use that as an excuse, like, oh, there's something wrong with them, that's why they did this, and it's like, yeah. Well, there's something wrong with them. Like, why would they make that choice? Like, something that is not a good thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, because they have some kind of psychosis or something, like, not necessarily. Which I know is hard to believe because it's, like, so much work and so much creepiness. But if you look at the rates of intimate partner violence, I mean, it's shocking. Being Um, creepy and being an asshole with too much time in your hands is not a disorder. Yeah, I wish it was. um, But unfortunately... It's not, and the rates are just staggering. So it's it's not something that a few crazies are doing, unfortunately. It's something that a lot of people who you wouldn't think would do this do. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. No, Sorry. Either. Don't stalk that's, people. It's yeah, bad. that's a shame that um, the crazy ex-boyfriend doesn't have a classification in the uh, DMV, DSM file. Uh, so that's it. Well, Should now we end it's with time anything? to go around and say what we're excited for in the year 2020. Actually, the whole decade. <laughs> you have to do it in song form. Every time it's a new decade, we always sing our hopes and dreams. Don't want to punish the audience that much. All right. All right, sorry, audience. <laughs> Any goals or dreams for the 2020 de- next decade, y'all? Yeah. Uh, well, the decade that y'all are in when you're hearing this? I hope. From the future? We. Yeah, I don't know. I hope no one from my job is listening to this, but uh, I, I hope to leave my job. Um, <laughs> Bold move. <laughs> right? I mean, not like, we're talking a decade, guys. Uh, I would like to move away from the nine to five and do um, do things like this podcast full time. I would like to do that. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. That's it. I just want it. So I have a pug. It's actually shocking. I haven't mentioned him yet. I can usually only go like twenty minutes without mentioning him. So I was starting to. It, it was getting really uncomfortable. Um, so I have a pug. He's my everything. He's my angel. I just want to raise him to be a strong, good man. You mm. know, a good Jewish man. So. Mm. My little Uggie. My Uggala. I like that. So, you know, he's going to be... He's new. He's only 10 months old right now, so I'm excited to live with my my husband and my pug child. That sounds like the dreams. It kind of is. It's pretty good. And talk about stalking all the time. It's great. I got stood up the other night. What? Kind of. I mean, he actually had a... His flight got delayed and all this stuff, so he didn't come to our show. He sounds stupid. Yeah. He's actually really nice. Until... We were supposed to go on a date (laughs) two days ago, and I said, how about after the date, we go to the pajama party at Boundary Stone. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I know. And he's like, let's just see how, like, let's go to the wharf and then figure it out. And I was like, okay. Like, I realize it's kind of intense that I asked you to go on, like, a two-location date before we ever met. Sure. Granted, he's been texting me, like, 24-7 when I was in a different state. You haven't met yet. Nope. So, 
then he's like, well, you know what? I'll just meet you at Boundary Stone. It'll be easier for me to get there. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, some of my friends are there now, so I'm just going to go there. Never showed. Ew. Never texted. What? And he's it. been watching my stories. Ew. Oh, that's so like, creepy. I'm like, clearly you're alive. So is this a stalker? No, I don't feel scared. Uh, what is no. this? I don't feel scared. I think he just sucks. Well, yeah, it sounds like he so sucks. I went on a rampage, and I sent a lot of these texts to like my close girlfriends separately, mm-hmm. so that I could get all of their opinions in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to hear from all my girls separately. Of course. So I wrote this. It just makes me effing annoyed that I went on a date with. Oh, actually, I don't want to read all of that. Basically, <laughs> in the year 2020, I'm not putting up with people's bullshit anymore, and I'm speaking my mind. I spent the whole last decade being a little bitch to my ex and my family, and I am done with like nine mm, O's. Nice. So. I am not going to be that fun next um, decade. Does oh, yeah. he know that you put together a TED Talk to win him over in the comedy show and performed it in front of no, like he doesn't. 150 people? He doesn't. But anyways, the next <laughs> decade, I'm not taking any shit from anyone. Mm. Not my boss. Not my family. <laughs> not any boys whom I want to annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll work with her. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> Only she, her. She but mark my words, world. I'm not taking any bullshit. So don't give her any bullshit because she will not take not it. Not in the That's next right. 10 years. She has family. No bullshit. No gifts. No bullshit till 2030. Till 2030 at least. Yep. Maybe Then 35. bring it on. Pile it on. Yeah. She'll be no. ready by then. And that's it. That's my oath to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Great. Hopefully I do it. Well, we can uh, hold each other accountable for our stuff. Okay, I'm going to make sure you spend more time with your husband and your dog. Uh-huh. I'm going to make sure you quit your job. Yep. And you're going to make sure that I don't take any shit from anyone. Done. This all sounds great. It's great. And of course, everyone's true resolution is to spread awareness this January for National Stalking Awareness Month. The issue that's near and dear to all of our hearts. You're all pumped. That's my number one. Really. Yeah, I think that's everyone's Everything I ever one. say about 2020, it should be implied. That's is there a color yeah. for the month? You know, we really need yeah, one. Yeah, how do I we show? I know. Hologram? We don't really have a color, and I guess we need one. Cause yeah. that's what I want to demonstrate my... Your love. My I know. Love, my support I know. Somehow. We did just get print brochures and posters, though, which is a pretty big deal for us. So. Bring them to the next show, which is taking place on January 10th at Kramer Books. That's correct. And it will be the raising spark. money for the Stocking Prejudice Resource Center. And if you're not sick of hearing me talk about stocking, I will do that more, a little bit, but I'll also do jokes and be funnier than I was on this podcast. And we're hoping that she'll be well by then, because she has a little bit of a cold. I have a little yeah. bit of a cold, so yeah. if I wasn't funny, resting. that's, that's why. Get rid of the sniffles. Yeah, just sniffles. And we're all going to sleep and be very uh, well energized by that. Alright, let's do our social plugs. Uh, do Good Feel Good is Do Good Show on Twitter, Do Good Feel Good Show on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Our website is www.dogoodfeelgoodshow.com. Yeah. No one's ever emailed us, but if you want to, it's do good, feel good show at gmail.com. Yeah. So awesome. Do Good Feel Good Show is a grassroots comedy DC podcast. Uh, so you can check it all out uh, from grassrootscomedy.com and our social uh, grassroots comedy at Facebook and uh, grassroots funny on Twitter, grassroots comedy on uh, DC. Insta. Yeah, DC. Is it DC? Grassroots comedy DC on Insta. Uh, okay, right. Mm-hmm. Lauren's more familiar with our Instagram. Yeah, and I would just say for Spark, our website, stalkingawareness.org, we don't do direct service for victims of stalking, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, am I being stalked and you're worried, um, the best place to call would be Victim Connect, which is 855-4-VICTIM, and they are trained to refer all victims of crime, including stalking victims, to the appropriate resource. It's usually housed under domestic violence, even if the stalking's not related to domestic violence. So 
Um, check us out for general resources, information, stocking awareness stuff. And if you're worried for yourself or a friend, then um, that check out Victim Connect. That's awesome. Sweet. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Hashtag Iguana 2020 trench code. Trench code Iguana. Trench code Iguana. Trench code Iguana. Good feet. Sing with me now. Do good, feel good. It's the do good, feel good show. It sounded sad. bien y sentirse bien. Muy bueno.